real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So today is August 11th, 2020, and all morning I have been streaming the live uh, General Flynn hearing. It's still going, but we have a lot of news to cover. Uh, so first things first, I thought that I would share the new um, trailer for Shadowgate. And so I thought that we'd start with that quickly so you guys can get a better glimpse of what is coming because what's coming is huge. It it should, uh, you know, it should be uh, something that both sides of the aisle, dildo waivers and on, everybody should be concerned about because, you know, here's where you understand exactly how far this goes. Take a listen. I don't want to set the world on fire. What if I were to tell you that a small group of government contractors were hired by government officials to frame the Trump campaign, set him up for the Russia collusion investigation, provided witnesses for the impeachment hearings, and provided administrative support services to the Department of Justice during the Mueller investigation. And what if it just so happened that this same group of contractors are behind the fake news in mainstream media, influence operations on social media, and the civil unrest nationwide pushing the defund the police movement. The Obamagate scandal only scratches the surface. You mentioned shock value that is shocking what the Russians did. I agree, we need to stop it. I know that now based on the Horowitz report. I'm not saying that you lied to the court. I'm saying you signed something that was a lie and you didn't know it. Talk about a cover story. What really happened is much more alarming. Both parties are equally guilty of covering up what should turn out to be an even bigger scandal, Shadowgate. The tactical and operational role the shadow government played behind the scenes, carrying out the coup against President Trump. We're going to be looking behind the puppets at who the real puppet master string pullers are. The material presented in this documentary should concern people of all political affiliations. This is about real players, people whose names never come up, but should. Okay, so this um, documentary, this expose is going to rock the world. This is dropping names. This is telling you all, and I can just give you a hint, that the person leading this coup, this military coup, is the same person that penned the New York Times op-ed. So, uh, you know, it is, it is pretty incredible uh, how it all unfolds. Um, and as you see, this production of interviews and information and documents, all, we all have to use publicly sourced information, stuff that's in, in the public, but also educate the public on exactly what's going on. I've talked about it 
for years now, the fourth unelected branch of government. And one statement that was told to me that made my eyes roll to the back of my head, and that is, know your place. (laughs) Believe it or not, someone actually uttered that to me that was working as a deputy attorney general, if you want to say, or in an attorney general's office, set me Ooh, you know, I was doing that a whole, ooh, no, you didn't. So I'm just saying these people believe that they know best. And it's not just you, the people, not just you, the people that are the ones that must listen, but the presidents do too. So none of the presidents that have passed have actually acted as presidents. They abide by this fourth unelected branch of government that knows best. They run everything, they own everything, and they fleece us for everything we have. And this comes back to why millennials are so insane. I was having a long conversation with Millie, the, you know, yesterday, and it's true. Think about it. Think of the millennials. I know we knock them a lot, but think about it. None of them can get credit. None of them can buy a house. They were all told if you go to college and you get all this debt, no matter what degree you get, you get a job. That is what was fed to them. They've been lied to. They've been screwed. They can't adult because they're unable to adult. All the rules changed for them. As they entered into the workforce, the the rules had actually changed. So they're angry and they demand and we owe them, you know, but it's not us that owes them. It's the government that created them. This is why they created this structure. This is why they duped the millennials to give them an out of since you're dependent and you learn to be dependent, then just be fully dependent and let's enter into communism. And this is why they're pushing for it because what they crave is security. Think about it. The boomer generation and only half of the Gen Xers were able to buy a house. You know, by the age of 30, you owned your home, you had a job, you know, you had a family, uh, you know, you were going, you were adulting. But then that all changed at the tail end of the Gen X generation, all the way up until now, children and young adults cannot adult because they were told, hey, Just get that piece of paper. Nobody cares if it's a psychology degree. And it's true. Look at your journalists. They're all idiots. None of them have actual degrees to support what they do. Fine arts. Really? I'm just saying. So they just pushed it. And this is why millennials are angry. This is why we're in the situation we are at. And this is how they're taking advantage of us. They have used the youth against us. They have used it against us. Tail end of Gen X and millennials were completely screwed. Completely screwed by the same people that they are voting. Completely, completely screwed. So this is why, we're, like I said, we're in this position. Now things are heating up everywhere. We got an announcement today by Putin that he has a vaccine uh, for the coronavirus. The president has been tweeting, well, I trust Putin more than I do the IC. And that's true. I mean, the intelligence uh, community is corrupt. 
corrupt. He said, John Bolton, one of the dumbest people I've met in government, and sadly, I've met plenty, states often that I respected and even trusted Vladimir Putin of Russia more than those in our intelligence agency. While, of course, that's not true, if the first people you met from so-called American intelligence were dirty cops who have now proven to be sleazebags at the highest level like James Comey, proven liars James Clapper, and perhaps the lowest of them all, wacko John Brennan, who headed the CIA, you could perhaps understand my reluctance to embrace. Yes, indeed, we do. So this is what he tweeted out today to make it clear uh, just where he sits. So the IC is the plague. The IC is the fortress of the fourth unelected branch of government. And of course, J.O.B. is going to respond. It's no surprise that Donald Trump shares Putin deep disdain for Americans who served their country and countered Russian efforts to undermine U.S. national security. Trump continues to do neither. Let me tell you something, J.O.B. We're about to blow your whole system up. We're going to show the whole world exactly what you've done with their information, how you've capitalized on it, and you can cry me a river because you are going to be perped. So is Clapper going to be perped. I remember watching it and how excited everybody was and no one has ever seen so much excitement of people getting arrested and yet even though I want to revel in that I do actually feel sorry because in your twisted minds you believe you know best based on the information that you hold so dear you believe in your I don't know I would like to say religious convictions but I don't want to even uh, even infer or even suggest that something like this can be justified. So moving along with the news, uh, I, I and I know a lot of you want to get back to the Flynn hearing. All we're hearing is a lot of ball passing, a lot of grandstanding, and I do want to hear a little bit of the rebuttal that's going to be coming from Cindy Powell. But it is important that I uh, educate and, and, and give you guys the news that you're not going to hear about. You're going to hear all about the Flynn thing. Everyone's going to be analyzing it. Kingdom come. There was a lot of deep state planted bread for the left. So now we're going to be looking really strongly into this AG bar impeachment that they're going for successfully to be handed over right after Labor Day. So the, this is all coming to fruition the way they wanted it to happen. So I think that, you know, you guys just need to find out where we're at today in the news, what's going on around the world, and um, realize just how many things are going on that no one is really paying attention to. Now, first things first, the Seattle police chief resigned after the city council voted to defund the department. So that's number one. That happened. Next, Vladimir Putin says he has the first COVID-19 vaccine. Take a listen to this Fox Business news alert about that. And they're reporting on it. And then we'll hear Kellyanne Conway comment on that. Daughters have taken it. What else do we know? She has, and we know that Moscow has registered the first COVID vaccine. This is much like the Cold War space race, Stuart, but it's a vaccine race. In fact, Russia is calling this vaccine Sputnik V. But be skeptical. Clinical trials were short. They were accelerated. 
It was tested on animals and only 76 humans, far less than what the FDA requires here at home. And that is raising serious doubts about the safety of Russia's vaccine that it is looking to export to the world. But it hasn't set up manufacturing or distribution channels to do that yet. This is how our uh, manufacturers of potential vaccines are responding to the news. Yes, most of them are down, but this underscores the importance of getting a vaccine on the market. You're talking about BioNTech and Novavax, which we've got on the screen now. Both of them are down, right? Yes. They are down, but they do have good news. So BioNTech reported their earnings today, and they say results of the uh, the final testing phase of their vaccine will be ready as early as October. And then they plan to request regulatory approval immediately after that. So they already have manufacturing set up with Pfizer. So this is certainly possible that the U.S. has a distributed, approved, fully tested vaccine by the election. Okay. I am a skeptic about uh, Putin's vaccine, so we'll move right along. Okay. So they're a skeptic about Putin's vaccine, so they're going to move right along. Now let's listen to Kellyanne Conway and her breakdown about this vaccine. What is your reaction to what happened yesterday? I'd like to add my voice to the ongoing chorus of those thanking the Secret Service. They are incredible men and women, and they did their job here. You saw the president resumed his duties. That's very Donald Trump also. The show must go on. The briefing went on. And uh, I will say, though, that the violence that's erupting all over the country in our great cities is, is really the bigger story here. Just look at Chicago, beautiful American city. You know, they've had uh, 414 people murdered this year, over a roughly 50% increase over it last year, 1,900 people shot, including these kids. Ladies and gentlemen, just stop and think about the nine children who have been murdered in Chicago this year through gunshots. A little boy, three years old, in the back of his uh, parents' car, just riding along a 13 year old in her house in front of her entire in front of her entire family and then just overnight you have uh, allegedly the seattle police chief carmen best who's been on your network many times after serving 28 years and becoming the police chief there african-american woman is resigning because the council is making good on its promise to cut the budget there for law enforcement yeah. it would have reduced over 100 officers you know this is in the shadow of the gallup poll last week that showed 86% of Americans want the same or more police presence in their communities. Right. And that includes 83% of Hispanic Americans and 81% of African Americans. And what's really regrettable is that I see these mayors in their press conferences and uh, really shameless, uh, but not blameless and not nameless. What, what is the most common word they say in their press conferences? Not police, not sympathy. Trump, 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 Trump. We will not have the president and the feds here. You know, everybody uh, flexing their social media muscle. They're all so tough. And, and it just it means that people are shoveling hate yeah. at police officers, shoveling hate at people who work here. I think that people are also worried that Donald Trump's going to get four more years and they're starting to lose it. And you see that uh, here and elsewhere yesterday as well. You all, you do see a lot of Trump derangement syndrome, and we've been talking about that for a while, Kelly. And of course, um, that shooting occurred just as the president was starting his uh, coronavirus briefing in the briefing room. The big, which is great because he updates us on what is happening in the United States. There's international news this morning, and that is Russia claims that they have now developed a COVID-19 vaccine, and they're going to start vaccinating millions of teachers and frontline healthcare workers this month. 
But, uh, you know, behind that headline, I was reading that the testing has been really small. And some people are saying, and we don't know if this is safe. Apparently, they've given it to some of the scientists who worked on it and 15 military members and some volunteers. But that is not the large testing group that we are used to seeing. That's right. That's why the U.S. standards are so much more stringent. We, of course, our FDA in our country sets the standards. And what I understand from the Russia announcement is this is nowhere near where we are, which is we have six different vaccine candidates into phase three. And they don't seem to be there yet. And even Dr. Anthony Fauci earlier this month testified under oath in front of Congress and said he hopes that when China and Russia are releasing their vaccines more widespread that they've gone through rigorous testing at the very least. He said it would be problematic if that were not true. The president is getting a vaccine update here at the White House today. I'm sure he will Mm -hmm. announce that in an open press event and also probably in his press briefing later on today. And uh, what he will be talking about are these six candidates, including uh, Operation Warp Speed, which has just been an incredible success to date. We even now NIH director Dr. Collins said recently he's been there for decades and has never seen something come together so swiftly and so successfully. The result to Americans, what they need to know is that we are in the final phases with a couple of those six vaccine candidates, and we think we can have hundreds of millions of doses in the next few months alone. And we can't wait for that update. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about the rescue. Moderna, Johnson and Johnson, Black. Yeah. Kelly, and can we just talk uh, real quick in the minute we have left, minute or so we have left? is uh, what's going on with their rescue package. Uh, the Washington Post reports today that White House officials, that might be you, uh, believe that President Trump has gained leverage with his executive actions. Does that mean that Democrats have to reach out to the White House in order to resume talks, or might the White House and leadership reach out to Democrats? It can go either way, but we've never stopped talking. Uh, the president said yesterday they have his phone number. They know where he lives and works. Also, we have our chief negotiators still very much in the game, involved in the game. And I think what the president did this weekend showed America two big things. Number one is in the absence of congressional leadership and action, this president will always step into the breach. And number two, what the president did is he basically told America, when you look at your monthly bills, I'm trying to help you. Stay in your homes or your apartments through the non-eviction notices, uh, the non-eviction relief. Also, get a couple extra, get get some more Mm -hmm. money uh, for the $400 plus on top of whatever you're already receiving so it can help you with food or medicines or uh, meet other household expenses. And also, the president gave relief for the rest of 2020, ladies and gentlemen, for student loan payments. That forbearance will help so many people are staring at different bills every month and saying, I can't meet my basic expenses. I can't sleep at night. He's giving relief on his own. And you know what the Democrats did and their friends in the media, yet I repeat myself, they they attacked it. Oh, this can't be. And you didn't do well. Congress, step up, step in. I noticed a number of those uh, lead, leaders, quote unquote, very generous of me in Congress, are speaking at the Democratic convention. Maybe Chuck Schumer can use his convention speech next week to announce uh, that he's, he's, he has a relief package with the Republicans and with the White House. That would be a much better use of his time than whatever invective gotcha. they're going to hurl at the president. But let's get this done for the American people. The president Kel- is ready to sign it. All right, Kellyanne, thanks so much. Yeah, thanks, Thank you. Kellyanne. 
Yeah, she's not allowed to talk a lot of facts, right? She's not allowed to. She's talking about all these different vaccines. Uh, she was cut short, of course, and that's the way it is. Now, in other news, we have, you know, a bit of um, uh, pains going in through New York uh, because, you know, now they're like, oh, Cuomo's doing it right because AOC is after him. We just need to see what's going on in these states. And um, so AOC called a wealth tax. So everyone, there's a mass exodus right now happening uh, in New York. Everyone is leaving New York. And now they're asking for a mass wealth tax on rich people. That means anybody that makes over $100,000. So this is, this is, this is, okay. This is incredible to listen to. Take a listen. A new Bloomberg column is warning it could take a long time for those big cities to recover. The headline reads this. New York and San Francisco can't assume they'll bounce back. America's big cities were beginning to struggle even before the pandemic led some residents to flee. Bill McCurran joins us now. The Wall Street uh, Journal Main Street columnist is a former chief speechwriter for uh, President George W. Bush and a Fox News contributor. This is a, just a fascinating discussion and debate that is happening right now, uh, Bill. You're writing about it in the Wall Street Journal this morning. Who needs Billionaires, right. you ask. AOC demands even more onerous taxes. <laughs> and New York Governor Andrew Cuomo says, not so fast. He's trying to get those billionaires to come back to the city, and she's trying to tax them more. Right, right. It's an insane um, dynamic in New York. You know, New York has 118 billionaires. And the idea of the left, of Mayor de Blasio and AOC, who, of course, is in Congress, is to squeeze them even further for uh, for the money that New York needs. It's going to have a shortfall because of COVID. But there's no realization, as the, as the governor is trying to show them, there's no realization that these people can move anywhere they want. And if you make it too high, the taxes, they'll just go to some place that treats them better. And you'll be worse off. You'll have uh, less revenue. And that's particularly true. I think COVID has exposed the weakness of a state like New York or California that relies heavily on the on a few people at the top to pay the bulk of the taxes. Again, that was Governor Cuomo's point. Um, and if you the, the more you rely on them, the more hurt you are if even a handful leave because you'll take a big hit to your revenues. It, 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 Governor Cuomo has basically resorted to begging on this issue to get people back to the city. Listen to Governor <laughs> yeah. Cuomo here. I'll play it for our audience. I literally talk to people all day long who are now in the Hamptons house, who also lived here, or in their Hudson Valley house, or in their Connecticut weekend house. And I say, you got to come back. When are you coming back? We'll go to dinner. I'll buy you a drink. Bribery. Come over, I'll cook. Bribery. They're not coming back right now. And you know what else they're thinking? If I stay there, they pay a lower income tax because they don't pay the New York City surcharge. Because they didn't, they're not getting the lifestyle that they were and in some cases still are paying for, Bill, right? You have to have the incentive to get those people back. Right. You write this in your piece. Billionaire former Mayor Michael Bloomberg once said New York City is a luxury, meaning people were willing to pay more for the high value it provides. The question is whether the wealthy will still be willing to pay that premium and underwrite the spending for a city where shootings and murders are on the upswing, not to mention rising homelessness and other afflictions. 
Let's just remember that the that the glitz and glamour of New York City was built by President Trump. The attractiveness, the buildings, the the filling up the side of the riverbank with buildings was all President Trump. He built that. He created that. And they destroyed it. And now they want it back so much more that, you know, the governor's offering to cook them dinner, bribing them back. They're not coming. They're going to stay where they feel safe uh, physically because it's not safe in New York anymore. And if the governor hopes to persuade billionaires now thinking of leaving to stay put, he'll have to offer them more than a home cooked dinner bill. Right. Right. And it doesn't look like that's coming, given the agitation by Mayor de Blasio. You know, Albany's answer is they're considering two bills, one a tax on billionaires and another tax on ultra millionaires. They're just increasingly making the state more hostile to wealth. And I'd say Governor Cuomo is absolutely right on his point about this. However, he's not he's not quite the supply cider that it sounds like. He wants the federal government to raise taxes and then send the money back to the states. Not only would that Let me just say something. What's stopping these thugs, these rioters, these criminals that are being released from the prisons to storm one of these high rise or high security apartment complexes? What if hundreds of these rioters decide to pick a building somewhere on the Upper East Side or downtown or in the village and just go in and take what they want? You know, they need bread and milk, according to AOC. You know, they've already bought up all the businesses so it's time to go to the rich people that are sitting pretty in their nice apartments what's going to stop them the police that are told not to bother the protesters what's going to stop them when they can't shoot them nothing can stop what's coming and they know it and it's coming Forgotten men and women of our country will be forgotten no longer. The time for empty talk is over. Now arrives the hour of action. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. Every decision will be made to benefit American workers and American families. America will start winning again, winning like never before. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. Do not allow anyone to tell you that it cannot be done. No challenge can match the heart and fight and spirit of America. We will not fail. Our country will thrive and prosper again. Your voice, your hopes, and your dreams will define our American destiny. When America is united, America is totally unstoppable. After nearly four years, my family's nightmare is finally over. We couldn't have survived this without the love and support of the millions of patriots around the world. Thank you from the bottom of our heart. Hi, I'm Laura Loomer, and I'm running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District. 
Wouldn't it be horrible if we lived in a nation where journalists were silenced just because they confronted the political and media elite? You might think that could never happen in America, but it did. And to me. For confronting people like Hillary Clinton on her corruption and Ilhan Omar for her ties to radical Islamic terror groups, I have been banned on pretty much every single social media platform. And if that doesn't sound extreme enough, I'm also banned on Uber and Lyft. I know, I cannot understand that last one either. When this all happened to me, I contacted the media and members of Congress. I asked them for help. I kept calling, I kept emailing, but I never received a reply. And that's when it hit me. I'm a well-known journalist who has the phone numbers of the most powerful people in politics and media, yet I couldn't get any assistance. What on earth would the average American do if the same thing happened to them? I realized then that if I wanted to see change, that I would need to run for office. The American people deserve representation that listens to and acts on their concerns. So here I am, running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District, because the American people deserve a voice and a representative who, like President Trump, will keep the promises they make and speak up loudly and clearly for that silent majority. All right. Welcome back, everyone, uh, to the Tory Says Show. That was my short break. Now we're going to continue with Fox reporting on this uh, wealth tax and how it's crippling New York. And like I said, nothing is going to stop a mob picking a building of the day to go raid and kill them all in there. How many of them are really armed? How many of them are really, really armed? None. What can save them? Nothing. Because the cops won't shoot. Because then they'll have even more on their hands. They're told to stand down. Of course people are going to flee because they're coming for you and they know it. And this is why they're fleeing already. And no one is coming back. De Blasio and Cuomo single-handedly destroyed the capital of the world, New York City. Spare him the the political problems with raising taxes. He'd get the revenue um, without making New York State less attractive. So it's a mess all around. And it, as as uh, we've been saying, it's going to be harder for these cities, especially now that tens of thousands of people are learning you can keep your job and you don't have to live. You don't even have to live in the New York area. I'm in New Jersey, but I could be in Texas. You know, we're showing beautiful images of Manhattan. It, it, it's not the image that you see portrayed in the New York Post these days with moms fearing walking up and down the sidewalks with baby carriages. Right. They fear the lawlessness that is happening in the streets of this city right now, uh, Bill. Right. You write about, in your piece, Andrew Cuomo taking issue. This is not the first time that he's taking issue with so, the soak the rich crowd, right. you call them. Like the AOCs, who's making this point. Listen. Governor Cuomo, we need you to pass a billionaire's tax in order to make sure that we're providing for our working families. It's time to stop protecting billionaires and it's time to start working for working families. So is she just not getting it or is she just not seeing the images of a crime-ridden New York City? Look, we got a taste of how um, AOC regards these things. When she killed an Amazon deal that would have bought, brought like 25,000 good jobs to her district, relying on her judgment on this. In fact, the criticism from AOC 
and Mayor de Blasio ought to confirm the wisdom of uh, what Governor Cuomo is trying to say. Wisdom, <laughs> Cuomo. <laughs> it, 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 it's tough to watch, and you get why he's begging them to come back, the governor, but he's got to talk to the mayor about right. that one. And uh, Yeah, see, because they're getting impeached. See, when you file for bankruptcy, you can't just file for bankruptcy. you got to get impeached to be removed so that the government, the federal government, can come in and save you. That's usually how it works, and they don't like that. And this is where it's all going down, and people are starting to see it. You can't not see it. Ah, everybody's getting to see it, and that's the point. The point was that you cannot tell people what's going on. They have to see it. Because this is the insanity that is perpetuating throughout our nation. People can't see. It's in their face and they still can't see it. They still have this weird idea that everything that's happening is for good. Now, look at Laura Ingram, who went and, uh, to Minneapolis to, you know, Little Mogadishu. By the way, I know a lot of people were like, Steinberg said that Ilhan Omar said, let me tell you something. Before Steinberg came along, I had already provided the information to ICE of who her real dad is and what the real names are. Nur Said is not even part of it. You have to look at Abdullahi. You know, come on, man. It's, it's evident. And, 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 and it's something that happens all the time through the Lutheran social services program. They had a worldwide Lutheran service. This is how they did distribute their jihadis among the nations to do the uprises. No one's paying attention, but whatever. Regardless, what he said is correct. She's toast and it's all going to happen. But the thing is, we can't just take her out. We got to take out the people that brought her here. She said she was a kid when she, she entered this nation. She was not. She was not. She was an adult when she entered and played a kid. You understand? This is how far it went. But it'll all come when the time is right because it's always about the timing. You can't just shove truth down someone's throat. And no matter how ready you say you are, man, nothing can stop what's coming. But hopefully by you seeing it yourself, you're able to digest it. A little over 10 weeks ago, mass rioting and looting broke out in the wake of George Floyd's death. Hundreds of millions of dollars in damage was done. Lives and 1,500 businesses approximately were destroyed. Now, today I spoke with some of those business owners right here in Minneapolis. This is where it all happened. May 27th, two days after the killing of George Floyd, the AutoZone, which is right here, burned to the ground. Then it was Target terribly damaged, destroyed, looted, uh, important for the community, a Minnesota company, of course. Then the third precinct, abandoned now, but destroyed, burned, and they allowed it to burn. But more than 10 weeks later, what's happening in this community? What about these businesses that want to rebuild, that want to stay invested here? What are the roadblocks? What are the problems? And how can we move forward? What lessons for the rest of the country? We decided to come here and try to bring you these stories. And I hope shed light on what has to happen next. How do you justify burning down somebody's business? You don't realize how many people are 
have been put out of work from all this. We came to town, top diner and gastropub, where Casey White and her husband Charles uh, started an incredible business four years ago. It was a staple of the community, and it was hit hard. When I saw the police station go up in flames and then Minnehaha Liquors, which was on the corner, and I watched the old side of Minnehaha Liquors come burning to the ground and... My husband was asleep, and I went and woke him up. I go, you need to wake up now. I go, Town Talk's going to burn down any minute. And we sat there and watched it just melt to the ground, all our hard work. It started with people with bats entering, people pushing on the front windows, and then hundreds of people went in, and they looted, not for an hour, two hours, five hours, and then they came back the next night and the next night, six fires, and it was, it's unbelievable. John Wolf is a prominent Minneapolis business owner who owned and ran Chicago Lake Liquors. It was cleaned out, and then it was burned. This is the famous door where everyone was coming in and out during the uh, nights of the riots and the looting. They took as much as they could out that door. Uh, Laura, they were coming in from the basement where the warehouse is downstairs. Yep. They were coming out here. They were taking shopping carts. They were taking two-wheelers. How much um, merchandise was taken out? Close to a million dollars worth of merchandise. You know what? But more importantly than that, it's now taken 40-plus jobs away from the employees who live in the neighborhood. Right. Who live, shop, and work in this neighborhood. What happens to these families? 30 years ago, Abe Damage came here with his family from Ethiopia for a better life. This is what's left of it. This is what happened 10 weeks ago at the Minneapolis riots. We work our labor, our sweat in this building that you see here. Abe, uh, I heard that the city had been in touch with you about one issue involving a fence? Yeah, so the city, as you see, is uh, we have, as you see, is a debris, and the insurances always have a cap to what they contribute to it. And uh, the city came in and put this fence, as you see in here, and they send us a bill for $3,700, and we asked them we could not be able, they said they don't have any resource. So the city that you're paying taxes, the city that you're supporting, the community you're building, sends you a bill, and you're getting punished again on it? Enough is enough. Did you hear that? So not only did they burn his place to the ground and destroy it, the city put a fence so they're not liable if someone falls in there, and they're charging the owner for it. They're charging the owner for the destruction that happened because they didn't do their job to protect his business in the first place. Are you getting this? And the city's like, yeah, pay me. <laughs> Can you believe that? Enough, guys. Let's rebuild this community and stand by us. We left our country for a future to see the American dream. And look at what happened. You work hard, you pay your taxes. We have not done anything wrong. And the peaceful protest hijacked. Then the government said, oh, we're going to back up and build your neighborhood. Where? Where is the safety? Where is the rebuilding? It's 10 weeks. No response. No response. No response. And the silence was as deafening on the night of the riots and the silence from elected officials still deafening. Larry McKenzie, longtime high school basketball coach, youth advocate in North Minneapolis. So many people love you, Larry. Uh, I wish you could be in studio with me, but we can't because of COVID. Uh, what's it going to take to truly get Minneapolis back on its feet? These are great people. I got a chance to meet so many wonderful people today. These are good neighbors. These are good people, but they're mad. And they're heartbroken, but they're mad, Larry. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, and rightfully so. Uh, and in terms of, of what it's going to take, I mean, one of the things is, I mean, it is uh, a, a time around uh, elections and, you know, politicians are making uh, promises and those kind of things. But it's going to take really the community holding those who are in those positions accountable. Well, I asked a number of the folks I interviewed, some on camera, some off camera, where the politicians now, they happen to be mostly Democrats. But this wasn't political. This was common sense. They said, no one's here. We never hear from them. We call them. They offer some sympathy, Larry. But they said, we got to have a change. And then if the new people come in and they're no good, we'll kick them out, too. That was basically the sentiment. They want political change. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't I don't think you can can I, I don't think I would disagree. I mean, I think obviously, you know, from what uh, I've seen uh, that right now we have leadership mm -hmm. that is not in touch uh, with the community uh, that is not necessarily uh, representing uh, the voice of the community. And so, Larry, I, we're going to I'm going to bring you back tomorrow night because we're going to be here tomorrow night. Uh, so hold that thought until tomorrow. We're going to continue with you. Very important message from you. Stay with us. She cut him off because she wants to use it. Listen, guys, she wants to use his info for another segment. But listen to this. Right now, these people in Minneapolis are seeing the fruits of their voting. People around the nation are seeing the people that they vote and what is bringing them down. They are seeing everything. I mean, how many New Yorkers do you really think that are hardworking New Yorkers that have properties in New York are voting Democrat? How many of them do you think that Joe Biden is going to get a vote from? How many people do you think in Minneapolis will really, really vote for Omar? How many of you think that? Because once the people see just how important their vote is, just like that piece that I wrote months ago, how can they vote? They'll say they're voting. They'll be surveilled that they're voting, but they're not. No one in their right mind would vote for more of this. No one. Not even the ones getting paid to cause the chaos. They got paid. They're done. That's the thing. They're claiming that the Democrats are going to win. They know they're not going to win. They need to steal the election. They know that. There's no way in any, any shape or form that they will win. None of them. And that's because the people can see. <laughs> Wait till the ones that are on the fence that just... You know, called Ooh, orange man, bad Cheeto in the White House, you know, all those that just don't like him. They cannot like him and still vote for him, right? <laughs> because that's the way sane people do it. You vote for the person that protects you. You vote for the person that uh, is there for you. You vote for the person that you know has your back regardless if you like them or not. So I, what, 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 what needs to be understood clearly is that it, this is where they lose. This is where people understand just what is playing. You know, the Mueller indictments, they were all facade. He didn't call anyone specific. 
He didn't call people that were actually in the know. He wasn't there to figure out if there was Russia collusion. He was there to make sure that the Russia dossier had covered all its gaps. He was there to destroy evidence. In fact, they hired a Canadian intelligence firm that has an office in the U.S., of course, to paper shred. I said that on air with Matt Whitaker. This has been a concerted effort, a conspiracy with many nations playing together to remove President Trump. And the question you should ask yourself is why? Why? Because he refused to know his place. He refused to not be president. He refused to put his head down and just listen to the Praetorians. He refused to bow down to these insane generals that think that they know better for the people of the They do not know. We do. They should listen because we know. We do all these wars. We do all this. They don't know. And we will beat them into submission until they understand. And we will be coming at the president until he understands. The one thing that you see that's different from President Trump than any other president that has attempted to go over the heads of this corrupt, corrupt agency that fosters this kind of mentality is that this president takes them head on. This president takes them head on. He is not playing around. He has dealt with all of them and they're all in it together, right? In it together, right? And we saw from the, the, you know, they were showing a video that I'm pretty sure was from 2016 with this guy toppling over with a gun. I'm pretty sure that's not the way it was. And I, and I, and I, and I even mentioned it, (laughs) you know, this is owned by the sunrise movement. This is part of the interrupt Trump movement that they're putting all over the media. I'd like to play for you their, um, uh, video. They've actually put a video together of the interrupt Trump movement and they have gotten way out of control. Like this guy is pretty insane. We have people, big people, authors pushing dear white house correspondents. Thank you for the very difficult job you do every day. I understand Trump is having another press conference today. Here's my short video to interrupt Trump. Are you getting this? So they don't want the president talking to the people. They don't want the president showing the people the truth that they are actively obfuscating. Why? Because the people are already seeing it at their own homes. And by hearing it on the news makes it even worse. And this is why I've said it before. We are the news. Take a look. Please, go ahead. The happens if you stop letting Trump interrupt you and just wave you off. Yeah. And yet, excuse me. Excuse me. How does that go to the excuse U.S. Me. default excuse on me. Stop excuse, me. excuse me. You're a billionaire, though. Why would you not move it here just excuse for, for having it in America? Excuse me. 
After three years, what if you simply call a lie a lie on national television instead of a false statement or some other polite phrase? How many times Trump has said things that simply aren't true? What if you interrupted Trump and corrected him in real time when he took credit for policies President Barack Obama actually did? We'll always protect you on pre-existing conditions, much more so than the Democrats. What if you directly followed up and asked the same question Trump just refused to answer for your colleague? Please, go ahead in the back. Please. I have two questions. No, it's okay. But we'll you pointed to me. I have two questions, Mr. Next. President. Next, please. But you did. You called on me. What a stupid question that is. What a stupid question. But I watch you a lot. You ask a lot of stupid questions. What if the next time Trump called one of your colleagues stupid, the entire White House Correspondents Association got up and walked out in protest? Please what do. if you stop being so polite? You are fake news. I would love for them to walk out. I would love for them to walk out. But the problem that they have is, is that they don't want to see videos. They don't want to see truth. They just want you to listen to what they have to say. Remember how that stupid clown said, well, Obamacare covered pre-existing conditions. Well, yeah, it did. But Obamacare is leaving. So we need an executive order to make sure to stop your narrative when we nix Obamacare. And people are like, oh my gosh, pre-existing conditions. No, see, there's an EO for that. See, this is how we work preemptively, kind of like we did with right to try. You're not allowed to have hydroxychloroquine. We don't need people cured. We need them in their house. We need them to obey with masks. So we create the right to try preemptively, and now they're stuck. They can't ban it. And any doctor that says no, you can file a complaint and say, hey, he's Denying me the right to try, which is now part of legislation. What's up? See, this is it. So when does the White House go to just taking questions? These are the things that we need to open up. I mean, I'm actively seeking a way to put in a, uh, a method of us being able to... Um, submit questions to the press. It's really important that we do. It's really important that we do. Yet nobody wants to do it. Every, you know, nobody wants to push forward and get out of the comfort. We're still giving them some basis. That's what is insane. Now, in the meantime, as our world is on fire here, we have the Democrats not being serious on any relief to the people. Take a listen to this clip. One moment. Let me pull that up for you properly. There we go. And take a listen to this. Questions over what happens next as far as stimulus for the American people struggling during this pandemic. You've got the Dow up 315 points on two things. Hope over a coronavirus vaccine and that Congress will get together and get something done. Larry Kudlow can give us an update. He's the White House economic advisor. Larry, what can you tell us this morning? There seems to be optimism on Wall Street. Uh, is something getting done? Well, look, I think um, I agree with the vaccine, although we can't necessarily verify Russia, as Reagan used to say, trust but verify. However, I would add the president's presser Saturday night where he announced the executive orders really helped the market roar yesterday. It was up over 350 points, and I think that's continuing today. We've had also uh, good numbers uh, on jobs uh, just, I mean, great numbers on the jobs report last Friday, but even more good numbers yesterday. 
and this morning, NFIB uh, small business confidence was down a tad, but mm -hmm. it's still holding a very high level. So the economy looks good. And I think the president has given a lot of important assistance to the unemployed and pro-growth measures to those who are working and those who want to go back is, to work. But, I think that's helping the story. But are we talking about the best option, Larry? Fox News is reporting this morning, we just had our own Chad Pergram on, uh, reporting that there's virtually been no communication between the White House and congressional leaders since the discuss, uh, discussion ceased Friday afternoon. Can you ch tell us anything has changed on that front? Well, what I can say is, as the president said yesterday, as uh, Secretary Mnuchin said, we're willing to negotiate. We are willing to sit down as long as it's a serious negotiation. Uh, thus far, it has not been serious. The numbers, Democratic numbers are way too high. We are not going to just split the difference. Um, meanwhile, if you look at their plan, Sandra, uh, the th a third of it has nothing to do with COVID. Okay, it has to do with mail-in votes and harvesting votes and letting felons out of jail and things of that sort. It had nothing to do with COVID, and that needs to be stripped out. That's a Democratic left-wing wish list. Take that out. Chop their number down. Look, there's stuff we would like. We would love to extend the payroll protection for small business. We would like that very much. We want very much to be able to put additional money in for safe and secure school openings. Um, the president is still open uh, to direct mailing of checks of $1,200 per person. Those are things that we could talk about more than willing to, but the Democrats have to change their views and they've got to be, you know, show us that it's a serious matter. Okay. McConnell is saying that the Democrats blocked this coronavirus legislation. He says that the press is covering it like, quote, like another routine political standoff. I'll get your description of this moment in just a second. But first, here's Chuck Schumer reacting to the executive action. President Trump's executive order on unemployment benefits is put together in such a sloppy way that it'll take weeks or months for states to even implement. Millions could lose everything before they ever see a check. Republicans must get back to the negotiating table. Respond to that, Larry. And, and under this plan laid out by the president, would, when would Americans see that check? Well, two points. First of all, we put up, GOP, Sarah McConnell put up short-term extensions of unemployment, and the Democrats blocked it at least twice. So it's kind of say, silly to say, well, it's going to take a long time. They could have gotten that done a week or 10 days ago. Second point, the states are in position to increase the unemployment benefits. Remember, the $600 plus up that came out of CARES in March was administered by the states with the help of the Labor Department. Okay, I'm pausing this for my radio listeners. We'll be right back in five minutes uh, as we are uh, going on to a hard break.
Real news. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show again. This is August 11, 2020. This is the second hour of the Tory Says Show. I did stop uh, the feed where Pelosi and Schumer <laughs> are filling rubbish into the heads. You know, they wanted their pork in it, man. And we talked about it here on the Tory Says Show over a week ago. It's going to be simple, a bill to address each thing. That's the way it should have been. But instead, they want their pork in it. They want to bail out these corrupt states and cities that are offering to cook them dinner just to bail them out. Let's continue this. The Labor Department has put out uh, a number of circulars already saying they will go and help the states in any way possible. This is not that hard. We put out a formula, all right? Let me try to get this straight because some people on Sunday weren't listening to what we said or whatever. The states, first of all, if they give $100 already mm-hmm. in benefits, just 100 to mm-hmm. any state gives 100 they will qualify for the $300 federal plus-up, okay? The states will do it, but the federal government will put a $300 plus-up. But wait, that's a big statement. That's a big statement. The states will do it. Have you canvassed those states to make sure that they can, A, afford it, and B, are willing to? We we monitor. Ha! See? That is it. This is how you're like, oh, you're bankrupt? Can't help your own people? Oh. Well, maybe we'll think of a way to kind of ease that pain for you. Let's see. How's you step down? Modified slightly the mechanics of the deal. So initially, and states can still, if they put another $100 in to raise the benefit more generously, that's fine. It's up to them. But the way we're leaving it now is any state who put in $100 before for unemployment benefits, and every state did, they will then qualify for the extra $300. So the baseline of unemployment uh, benefits from states is roughly $400, okay, per person per week. That's the median. On top of that, the federal government is going to put in $300, so that will give the benefit overall of $700. That's a tremendous... There are 16 million people unemployed. They need help. But, uh, they but, need but again, assistance, I think the and question we stand is, to give it to them. I've only got a minute left. I think the question is, can, can they afford it? Are they willing to do it? The AP no, I'm facts, saying they've already done it. They've already done it, Sandra. In other words, they've already okay, so had their benefit Okay, so address this real quickly, though. This is, this is Governor Cuomo from New York uh, and the Arkansas Governor Hutchison, uh, National Governors Association. They put out this statement. They said, we appreciate the White House proposals to provide additional solutions to address the challenges. However, we're concerned by the significant administrative burdens and costs the latest action would place on the states. Address their concerns and react well, to that listen, statement. Uh, both of them friends of mine. We will work with them. If- Here's how they can address it. Open up your state. Open up your city, man. Open it up. Open up your schools. Open up the places of employment. Open up the churches. Open up the buses. Open it up. Then it won't be a burden. More it's closed. Yeah, you got a burden. I mean, you took the responsibility to shut them down. So you better put up. That's the way it goes. If there's any complications, I think their states have done are fine. They've already changed their programs to meet the CARES demand uh, or the CARES uh, generosity from last March. So they're already on their way. We are estimating it'll take about two weeks to get the checks out. 
uh, the Benefits Act. It will be administered by the states. And let me repeat this. It's going to be $700 per person per week. That's a very big number. Second, let's not forget President's payroll tax deferral, which will be a wage hike for middle class Americans, a wage hike of roughly $1,100 to the 140 million people who are heroes. They've been able to work and they have. So we're helping the 16 million unemployed. Mm -hmm. We are helping the 140 million who are working. Uh, we want to provide uh, more incentives to work uh, and come back to work. And for those who are not employed, if they look at these numbers, an $1,100 pay $1,100 pay hike is an incentive for them to come back to work. So these are crucial items to assist, to help, to grow the economy. And I think that's a big reason. These are big reasons why the stock market is feeling so darn good. It is. It's up 300 points this morning. The Dow top. Now, always about the economy. We got to boost it. We got to boost it because can't see it coming. <laughs> That's the way it goes. So what is this telling you? The states are like, we can't afford it. You can't do this to us. And it's like, well, open up. Then you don't have all these people unemployed. They have incentives now to work. No payroll tax. That's what's up. Let's do to do your job. Oh, you can't open. That's right. We have elections. You want to steal elections, right? <laughs> See, that's how it goes. Huh? How interesting. Now, I'm going to take you to the Chinese. <laughs> oh, ironic. The Chinese government's uh, reporting, because not everybody's reporting on this, which is pretty. I'll play some Greek. But war is full-fledged. Let's go, let's go, let's go, right? So um, here we go, where we're going to talk about something I wrote about, talked about, made it clear, is happening. And that's the war in the Mediterranean, which they call licensing of... How do you license something that's not yours? I'd totally love to see Turkey stroll up with an oiler off the coast of San Diego and say, we're drilling. <laughs> and everyone's saying, you're not allowed to do that. And they're just like, I don't care. Like, what do you do at that point? So Greece has pulled out their Navy. They're all out there and they're ready to go to war. And they've clasped hands with uh, Egypt, Italy, Israel, and it's game on. And Russia's just sitting there in their little base right there in Syria like, hey, just watching. Oh, and by the way, S-400 anti-missile systems that Turkey bought from Russia are the ones that are being used against the Greek military, just so you know. Hold on. Let's put this Chinese clip on can't believe China's reporting news. No one else is. On Monday morning, Turkey issued a maritime advisory known as Navtex, announcing that a Turkish ship will start carrying out a seismic survey in eastern Mediterranean. According to Turkey's energy minister Fatih Dönmez, the Turkish ship named Oruç Reis has left the port of Antalya this morning and has reached the area where it will carry out its gas exploration mission near the Greek island of Castellorizo until August 23rd. Turkey had previously issued a survey for the same region in July, triggering tension with Greece. But Ankara had decided to suspend the mission following an intervention by Germany. On Sunday, Turkey's presidential spokesman Ibrahim Kalin stated that Ankara and Berlin had been in discussion to resolve the issue but halted talks following an unexpected move by Athens. Last Thursday, Greece and Egypt signed a maritime agreement designating an exclusive economic zone between them. Ankara has called the agreement null and void. Turkey has a similar agreement with Libya, which has received reactions from Greece.
Cullen has stated Greece's actions aim to exclude Turkey from eastern Mediterranean and limit the country's efforts to the Gulf of Antalya. The move is likely going to increase tension between the two NATO allies. However, both sides have stressed they are open to dialogue. Mikhail Bardavid, CGTN, in Istanbul. So they're open to dialogue, and what they were talking about is what we've been talking about, which is that they've been given control of Tripoli, which gives them full and unfettered access to the Mediterranean. And so now they are claiming that it's gas exploration rights, right? This is what they're talking about. And no one is talking about the truth, which is that they have subs, U-boats, and, you know, they're just... It's a, it's a, what is it called? A Trojan horse waiting to happen. So here is Turkey uses Russian defense system against the Greeks. I kid you not. Take a look. Oop, wait. I, 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 so right now. There is the latest information go. on tensions between Turkey, Greece, and Egypt in the waters of the East Mediterranean Sea. The Turkish military reportedly activated the world's most advanced air defense system, the S-400 purchased from Russia. Information compiled by Viva Military, Monday, August 10, 2020, that the air defense system which has a range of 400 kilometers was activated following the start of a large-scale war game called Operation Navtex. To note. The Turkish military has four S-400 units equipped with 36 firing units and more than 192 active missiles. Most likely there will be two S-400 units activated by Turkey to counter Greek and Egyptian military airstrikes in the event of a confrontation. Ankara has announced that Navtex will be held on August 10-11, 2020. In this war game, Turkey is deploying a very large number of war fleets. In fact, Turkey has attacked warships that are on a NATO mission in the Black Sea to participate in war games in the East Mediterranean Sea. All Turkish war fleets are moving into the East Mediterranean Sea following orders from Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan to continue exploration of seismic surveys initiated by Antalyan Navtex station in the south and east of Greece's Castel Orizo Island. This project was postponed by Turkey due to opposition from Greece regarding the agreement on the Exclusive Economic Zone EEZ. Turkey announced the war games in response to an agreement signed between Greece and Egypt on restrictions on the so-called Maritime Jurisdiction Area. The Turkish Foreign Ministry rejects the agreement signed between Greece and Egypt claiming that it violates Turkey's continental foundation and insists Turkey will not allow any activity within the stated territory and will no doubt continue to defend its legitimate rights and those of the people. Turkish Cypriots in the Eastern Mediterranean. And they're referring to the Eastern Cypriots, meaning the occupied territory of Cyprus, okay? Now, this is really, really heating up, you guys. Um... You know, this is Turkey saying that's our land and we don't care if the rest of the world says it's not. We say it is. So tough noogies. That's basically what they're saying. And I've been saying this for years. World War Three starts in the Eastern Med. If you stand on the moon, you can see the hot, the hotness just rising up from there. And, and guess who has a front row watching this? That's right. 
It's freaking Putin. He gets to sit there at one of the largest naval bases he has. <laughs> Watching all this play out. I'm sorry. I shouldn't be laughing because it's really sad. It's really, really sad what we are seeing uh, develop. But it's inevitable because it was going to happen. And I've been here saying that for years. But Greece's masterstroke now has Turkey completely surrounded by enemies. Turkey has stepped up aggression in the Eastern Mediterranean and Greece has become the biggest victim of Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan's belligerence. Ankara has been issuing warnings and violating Greek waters with the aim of carrying out research, exploration and drilling activities in Greece's continental shelf. Till now, Greece seemed subdued in its attempts to counter Turkish attempts of encircling the entire Aegean Sea. But to be fair, Athens felt compelled not to confront the Turks in a brash manner because it believes that the European Union will not back it in a direct physical manner. So in a masterstroke against Turkey, Greece is now confronting Turkey through alliances and maritime... Again, can we just point out what the frustrated Indian said? And that's basically what he's called. I'm not mocking him. So what he's explaining is that Greece knew that the European Union is going to be sitting on their hands. They knew that. So did the U.S. That's why in 2018, we started to back Greece. We started to send them, uh, you know, choppers, anti-missile defense systems, troops, building barracks. We knew it was coming. We knew what's happening. And so this was done. So instead of Greece waiting for the EU sitting on their hands, because, you know, one thing people forget is that during World War II, all these great nations fell within days, right? So on October 28th, <laughs> Mussolini calls Greece and says, yo, so we want to pass through Greece so we can get to Syria. It's always Idlib, right? We want to get down to Syria, Lebanon, Libya, and just, you know, we want to move the Third Reich down there. Can you let us pass through? And Greece said no. They actually, that it's actually, it's, it's celebrated as no day. They said no. And here we are at that time where the Greeks still had donkeys. They had no weapons. They had sticks and stones. And they held off the Third Reich for over a year and a half before they were annihilated. So... Greeks are the types of people that will sit there and get beaten and smacked and told and whatever up until it's enough. You know, they'll sit there. They've been maimed 80% tax. <laughs> you know, they have no money and they don't care. They don't care. They what? No money. Let's go dancing. No money. That's okay. We're all farming. No money. I'll just go to the beach and pick up a fish. No money. Nobody cares. There, I have holes in my underwear that are owned by Germany. No problem. But when this happens, this is a problem. So the Greeks stand on certain values and, you know, Turkey seems to underestimate that. Other nations understand it. Greeks understand it. There's only so much that, you know, so many civilizations would, yeah, I mean, America would never stand for it. They wouldn't stand for saying, you know, whoa, even the hole in my underwear is owned. You know, they wouldn't stand for that. 
They would not, but the Greeks can. And they've always been like that. It's a cultural nuance. So here's where Greece is like, all right, well, we'll just create all these agreements. Remember, 2019 October, we have a new defense agreement between the United States and Greece. But see, the news isn't going to tell you this. They're not going to tell you what's up. They're not going to tell you how it's happening. They're not going to tell you this is what we're doing. They're just going to sit there and tell you what they want you to know and not know. So here's where the frustrated Indian, legit, that's what he's called, had to say about it. And deals with Italy and Egypt. Greece is an influential naval power in the region with an expansive continental shelf extending out of its various islands. Geography plays to its advantage, creating a long and wide exclusive economic zone, an area whose resources only Greece can control as per international law. On the other hand, Turkey is not a signatory to the UN Convention on the Law of the Sea and has its own interpretation of the international maritime law. Ankara and the Libyan Muslim Brotherhood government simply claim that islands do not have continental shells of exclusive economic zones. Turkey backs Libya's interpretation of the international maritime law. A deal signed between Turkey and the Libyan Muslim Brotherhood leader Faiz al-Sarraz in November last year aimed to steal the Greek maritime space by robbing its islands of its EEZs. Libya is going through a regime change war where Turkey has been strongly backing the UN-backed GNA in Tripoli, while other countries like Italy, France and Egypt have put their weight behind the Haftar-led forces. Turkey has been expanding influence in the African nation of Libya in order to dominate the eastern Mediterranean. The Greek position that their islands have EEZs is however supported by international law and therefore Athens is basing its international transactions in the eastern Mediterranean on the recognized maritime law. This is a plan to surround Turkey from all sides. In June, Italy and Greece signed a deal dividing the exclusive economic zones of the two countries in the sea. For Athens, the maritime deal with Italy hinders Turkish president's ambitions to dominate the eastern Mediterranean. It directly impinges upon Turkey's ambitions to carry out research activities in Greece's water. Therefore, Turkey's state-run media also suffered a massive meltdown after the Italy-Greece EEZ deal. In fact, adding to the meltdown, Greece and Egypt have also used the UN clause to counter Turkey's maritime expansionism. Greece and Egypt have decided to delimit their own exclusive economic zones amid heightened Turkish aggression. The Greek foreign minister Nikos Dendias hurried to Cairo to meet his Egyptian counterpart Sameh Shokri. The Egyptian foreign minister said, part of the signing ceremony of an agreement for the establishment of an exclusive economic zone between the Arab Republic of Egypt and the Republic of Greece, the agreement is fully in line with the median line principle when the exclusive economic zone of two countries extending up to 200 nautical miles from the baseline overlaps with each other. The EEZ deal with Egypt, who is also at loggerheads with Turkey, will help Greece in cornering Libya in its south. Greece strongly believes that latest deals will help it in securing its maritime interests in the resource-rich region. According to the diplomatic sources quoted by Hellas Journal, Dendias has directly targeted the Turkey-Libyan Muslim Brotherhood deal with the latest move in Egypt. He said, the agreement between Turkey and Al-Saraz is now in the trash bin. 
Greece has cornered Turkey from all sides. Even the island of Cyprus is closely aligned with Athens because of its acrimonious past with Ankara and the present-day maritime conflicts. Within the Eastern Mediterranean, Turkey is the only country that has conflicts with all its maritime neighbors, whereas Israel, Greece, Cyprus and Egypt have created strong multilateral ties only in order to contain Turkish influence. Relations between Turkey and Greece have worsened. Turkey has been pumping illegal immigrants into Greece and has also converted Hagia Sophia, an important building for Greek Christians, into a mosque. Now, Turkey is claiming sovereignty over Greek waters to steal its resources, but Greece has managed to completely surround Turkey. Pretty good report right there. Pretty concise. I love the frustrated Indian. I like watching uh, his little reports. He puts them so well. Now there's another one. Hold on. I'm trying to get him uh, on where he... ...into a mosque. Turkey has ignored all... Yeah, man, you know, these Indians, they just, they pay attention to the things that matter on their offshore. I mean, there's a lot more people, so they are the news. But here's another report, um, you know, where China is stoking the war in Europe. Listen to it. This is what we've been talking about. They've just been sitting there quietly. You remember when we were here talking about how Turkey was holding the borders with all these illegal migrants and, you know, released their jails and were unleashing them into the European Union. It was for this. And we've been talking about Haftar. Remember, uh, Greece and Italy kicked out the UN-backed ambassadors and said, you're not representing Libya, General Haftar is. So this has all been coming together. And the fact, coupled with the fact that the US is like, oh, I totally love Erdogan. And it's like, you guys go ahead, do your stuff. We'll pop in when needed. That's how it works. But, you know... <laughs> He's a great guy. I love the guy. Of a larger conflict leading up to a potential war are growing over Europe. Greece has put itself on red alert. Its Security Council has held an emergency meeting in the past 24 hours. This after Turkish ships have moved closer to Greek islands, including drilling that has begun in what Greek, uh, Greece considers its territorial waters. Meanwhile, proxy war between Turkey and Egypt has been on in Libya, where Egypt is now planning to send its own people, either fighters or forces, into Libya after the Turks released information that they are going to be doing a deal with Libya over large tracts of the Mediterranean. There have already been reports that as many as 4,000 Turkish fighters have already been deployed uh, in Libya. After the moment of the conversion of the Hagia Sophia Museum into a mosque, Turkey has ignored all warnings that have come in from the European Union. We already know that Turkey, as we speak, is in close cahoots with the Pakistanis and between them with the Chinese. And a Mediterranean warlike situation is being heated up. Where this goes from here is going to be a stark question, not only for European politics, but also global politics, given the linkages of the blocs that have clearly emerged. Turkey has now had managed to get its man placed as the UNGA president. He's been traveling to Pakistan, talking about Kashmir. Both the countries are at war with Saudi Arabia over leadership over the OIC, where they have also tried to make Kashmir an issue, so it links directly back to us. 
Now, let's talk about Saudi Arabia for a second. Saudi Arabia, uh, you know, the uh, MBS, right? The prince, the crown prince MBS. He's like the Trump of the Arab nations. See, you remember back when we were discussing the G20 down in Argentina, that high five they had with Putin and all of them. Do you see now, if you step back, how Russia is currently under attack by the Chinese and shadow net deployment of activities out on their eastern border borders by Turkmenistan. Do you see how in that neck of Russia between Ukraine and Kazakhstan, uh, Russia has been blowing up their uh, underground railroads uh, that we've been seeing? Because the same place that had an explosion that they're telling you was a gas whatever was the same place that was bombed just a few uh, you know, months ago. They're finishing it. So people need to see the alliances that are happening, and I've been talking about them for three years. There's the countries, and then there's the globalist cabal. I've explained to you, no matter how many times I could say it, is that you know the Chinese were created by us. We created the CCP. Xi Jinping is a good guy himself, but... He's not in control. Remember, there's an unelected branch. Kind of like Rouhani is under the thumb of the IRGC. He cannot say. These people want to be free. Kim Jong-un wanted to be free. Damn, he paid for that with his life, didn't he? So look at all the moves and the counter moves here. India is being attacked by the Chinese at the border. Remember, you saw that just a couple weeks ago. Pakistan is coming into play. That's another faction of the Muslim Brotherhood. We have the whole Kashmir situation. We got the Germans sitting up there. Oh, don't do that. Again, I've said, look who Imran Khan married. You can see all the connections if you're paying attention. You can see all the bloodlines if you're paying attention. Step back. It's all coming into focus now. Now you can see it. This is why I said the Eastern Mediterranean is a hotbed. Why? That's the neck and entrance. (laughs) See, the Russians were smart. They kept it as they should. They kept their relations as they should. The minute that railroad between China and Europe was completed, which needs, and, and not only that, the railroad that goes from China to Africa, Israel and Saudi Arabia, ooh, they hit each other, ooh, no, they build a railroad. Uh, see, all of these things are coming into focus now. You can see where the countries that want independence and sovereignty stand and where those that have given up their arms are. They created these railroads uh, across Two continents. The vision that the European, uh, you know, convention, I would say, had was that their base was in Kazakhstan. Nur Said, the new light, right? Used to be called the Stana Kazakhstan. And I've told you guys many times, you should Google a bit and take a look at the city a little bit. Because one thing I can tell you is, and those of you that have served, you know this very well. Not many people fly into Kazakhstan to pick up or drop off anyone, especially those in the Air Force during the day. You're not allowed to see much. Speaking from experience, having been there myself, I'll tell you it's a pretty freaky place. So we've got a lot of people sitting around and the real devil in all of this is the one that's trying to create the Eurasian continent. The one that's trying to be able to spider through. See, why else did they allow Turkey to remain? They took away, they, they, they disallowed Turkey from holding on to Mecca. 
right? You knew that you know that they used to control Mecca, right? They used to control a lot of the African continent, the Ottomans too. The whole Middle East, all of Eastern Europe. You will see their inscriptions up in Aberdeen, uh, you know, Scotland, all the way up there. They came in hard. So why did they keep them there? Because they're the idiots. They're the ones that I've said it. They're like the kid that peed in the, the village. Well, you piss in the well, nobody can drink the water. Everybody hates you and nobody wants to play with you. They're the kid that nobody wants to play with. And where are they sitting? If you look at a map, they are sitting at the only landmass that could give you access to Europe, Asia, M- Middle East, and obviously Africa from there, right? By rail. Not by flight, by rail or underground, whatever you want to call it. So they've put the biggest idiots with the biggest keys to the energy kingdom ever. They've run all the pipelines through there. You think that the, that the global order, these globalists that want one government, this new world order, cares about Turks? Do you think they do? The minute they were able to destroy the United States and create the North American Union, which Obama clearly said with his own mouth in 2016, the minute they would create that, it's over, right? Turkey would have been annihilated, destroyed, out of existence, and they wouldn't even see what's coming. But here is where sovereignty, people want their sovereignty. Listen to these moves. This guy is so good. Like, man, you know, these Indians, they have their fingers in everything. It is a complicated situation. And we don't know what spark is going to light it. But let's try to make ourselves aware and make a general consensus of what we should be approaching it as we look out from India and in New Delhi. Let me quickly open up this conversation. Joining us on the broadcast, Major General Shashi Astana, Ambassador Ashok Sajanar, Professor Madhav Nalapath, and Dr. Vahilabad. Dr. Vahilabad, as you see it, what's happening, sir, in the Mediterranean? He's saying that Mediterranean is a turbulent water where the Turkey has been expanding at the cost of the maritime natural resources in that part of the world. Therefore, they have discovered a huge reservoir of gas and oil in the Mediterranean Sea. And most of these oils are in the Syrian and the Lebanese shore. So for this, uh, has been taking and mingling and interfering in Turkey in the Syrian and the, in the Syrian and Lebanese affairs. And also Israel's have been trying to gain from the uh, maritime boundaries with the, uh, with the Lebanon so they can keep the a large uh, portion of the gas in, in their own maritime borders. So Turkey have expanded toward Libya, toward the Northern African state, also hoping that they can also get their share of the cake. And therefore, they have been doing it in Cyprus, which have alerted the European Union about the activities of the drilling ships from Turkey. And then we see recently that the uh, Turkish also tried uh, toward the, uh, the, the water of uh, close to uh, Greece, where the Greece also raised an objection and the, uh, there was also withdrew their ship, a drilling ship from that region. But after they have established bases inside Libya and strengthened his control and expansion on that part of the world, Erdogan sent again a drilling ship into the water uh, close to the uh, to, to, to Greeks to raise the tension. So therefore, we are seeing a confrontation in the sea very soon because now Greece and uh, uh, Egypt also have drawn their uh, maritime border 
against the will of Turkey, which have ridiculed this kind of, uh, you know, uh, uh, drawing. And they are, uh, that is why they are showing their strength. And therefore, we may see some more of adventurous uh, attitude of Erdogan to raise the tension okay. inside which, the Mediterranean which begs the and the Which begs the question, Professor Madhav Nalapat. Now, Erdogan, who is facing a collapsing economy, we know the situation with the lira, lira at record lows. He's already had a bailout from the Chinese once uh, in just the past couple of weeks. Uh, he's supplying ships, uh, naval ships to the Pakistanis. We know uh, that uh, uh, the closeness between him and Imran Khan. Why is he fighting or literally egging on a conflict in the Mediterranean, sir? Well, Rishabh, if you want to understand Erdogan's uh, strategy, please go back into the history of the Ottoman Empire and see about the Ottomans and how they wanted to convert the Mediterranean basically into an Ottoman lake. Now, this is precisely the goal of Erdogan, who believes that he's the natural heir of the Ottomans. Okay, so this goes back to stuff that we've been talking about a lot, Antori says, right? Remember, the Arab League does not recognize the Turkish people as part of the Islam or the Muslim, you know, uh, the Arab nations. They have all these African nations that practice Islam. All, but why do they refuse to have the Turkish people? Think about it. I've said this many, many times. The reason is because they are fanatics. See, fanaticism in any religion is... Uh, volatile. It's uh, something that cannot be trusted and something that can bring a great risk. The Ottoman Empire had risen and was created for that one purpose, which was to take out those that were conflicting with what the Church of the Vatican, they created it, was saying back in the days of the 1300s, they brought the Muslims. Remember, it was the it was the Queen of Spain that started the Spanish Inquisition to get rid of them. This is old school news. This is just a refresher. This is how they're using the same tools. They're using the same tools to push it up. How were they able to overcome the Greek empire that was too liberal for them? Because the Greeks were very, very the Greek empire stood up against the Catholic Church. Right. Stood up again against them and said, no, you've just maimed Christianity. You just said that a man is holy and you declared it so uh, when no man is holy. And you're saying this, we're, we're broken here. And this is where the Vatican came to power and they started using religion as a weapon. And people were starting to get sick of it. They were. They said, this isn't the way, you know, Jesus has taught us. This is all old wars. The Ottoman Empire was created by the Vatican. And many will say, but I'm Catholic. It doesn't mean that you're, you know, you're Christian. Why do we have to identify as some specific? You're Christian, right? I'm these are facts. The Pope said, off with her head. The Pope said, you can't have this. People would send letters. Can I get a divorce? Or shall I marry this person? The Ottoman Empire was created to crush opposition. Think, how did the Vatican survive during the Ottoman Empire? Why weren't they touched? Why was every other nation touched except for the house of the Pope? Nobody asked that question? 
And then when Queen Isabella was like, all right, all right, all right, all right. We're going to bow to the Pope. We're going to do all this stuff. All right, whatever. Let's get the Muslims out. That's what the Spanish Inquisition was. So they pushed them back. This is them again. I told you that when they opened that up, to become a mosque. This is where everything hits the fan. I've said this. This is not not just because I time travel, but this is the way it is. It's the same playbook. Seen it before in the past. Same darn playbook. And the imam climbing the steps with the sword of war was exactly it. So people need to see that they had already completed this new world order. Our intelligence is pooled. In one central location. They have control of every single bit of information that we exchange, see, speak, hear, sing, whatever. They already have a full control. Full control. The only control they don't have is to our thoughts. And this is what they're fixing. This is what they're attacking. They needed those eight years with Clinton to bring it home. Because the United States of America is the only nation on the planet, the only nation on the planet that on paper has free people, that on paper has free people. And we are sticking to that document and we are holding it tight because this was the plan. Yet what President Trump did was wake them up. If you listen to his U.N. speech where he told them, why aren't you looking after your nations first? Why aren't you proud of your nations? Why aren't you empowering your own people? Why are you just forfeiting your sovereignty? This and that was the moment. This is an awakening globally. The U.S. is just spearheading it because we were propelled to the front seat. We are the baby nation. The United States of America is a baby compared to Saudi Arabia, Syria, Greece, Italy, France. It's a baby. Yet the baby is the loudest and the strongest because the mistake that was made was allowing us to get away with it, allowing us to break free from the crown, even though it was only moments and they had already planned our downfall while the ink was still drying. (laughs) They ceased to understand that you cannot control a human without their permission. And so as people realize that permission is needed to give power to these people, ha, It all comes crumbling down. And so we see nations forming alliances where they weren't. We see people speaking to each other when they were. Did you know that Israel and Saudi Arabia had just built a railroad between themselves? Did you know that? Obviously not. No one's going to tell you unless you're looking, you know, unless you're into that stuff. Did you know that all of them link up that way? Not, not if you're looking. People didn't even know that Peter Strzok's dad was the one that installed the Iranian regime we see today. Um, runs in the family. These are all coming together. It's on a global scale. This is what the president is doing while people aren't being perped. So as all of this is trying to unfold. This global war is happening. And I told you it was going to start at the Eastern Med. Who has a front seat sitting there? Putin. Biggest naval base ever. Sitting right there. And um, I just want to play uh, a couple of minutes of their discussion here. Because this is 
war. And I, and I said that three years ago. This is where the war, where World War III starts. And Erdogan believes that this Kemalist uh, movement was basically, uh, you know, fundamentally against uh, the long-term Turkish tradition. So he sincerely believes he's returning Turkey to its ancient traditions and away from the, what he regards as the westernizing influence of the Kemalists. The Kemalists are certainly on the back foot now, and the longer Erdogan continues in power, the longer that's going to happen. This is a very big gamble, I can tell you. And what Erdogan is banking on is, frankly, the lack of any resolve within the European countries or in NATO to really take on any war with a military other than a ramshackle military such as, you know, Iraq or what they believed was ramshackle such as Syria. Well, Mr. President Assad, unfortunately for them, they showed that that is not the case. Or in Afghanistan against the Taliban, which they have now admitted defeat, frankly. So the NATO is a great army that is completely unready to fight. And the Turks are betting on that. Now, the important thing here, the interesting thing, Rishabh, is that... Key point that I've said many times. What is the second largest military force in NATO? Do you guys know? Do you know? We've said this many times. It's Turkey. First is the U.S., then comes Turkey. Turkey is the second strongest military power in NATO, and they know it. And they know it. European army, what are they going to do? Have the Swiss come out with their little Swiss army knives, which aren't part of the EU. I'm just saying this is this is it. Why do you think that we had the Pakistanis involved in Congress? Think. Why do we have the jihadis in Congress? Think. Why did we have the Pakistanis running all the information tech of Congress and the Senate? Think. Why do we have the Germans in the middle of it holding our servers? Think. This is where they're all centralizing themselves and everyone is separating. That's where it's going to. And here's where you can see it all coming together now. That the Greeks are also Orthodox Christians. The Russians are Orthodox Christians. And it will be very difficult for Putin to ignore a call from his fellow Greek Orthodox uh, community for help. Secondly... Greece is among the most friendly countries to China in the European Union. And the Chinese also are going to be very embarrassed. So all in all, it's a very interesting mixture, a very combustible mixture. And given Erdogan, I think Dr. Awad is perfectly right. The chances of a confrontation are very high. Okay, combustible mixture. Ashok Sajanar, hardly two weeks ago, the Greeks signed a deal with one of China's port building companies to open a major port which will serve as an OBOR entry port uh, into Europe. Uh, we know of the close links between them and China. We know of the close links between the Russian and the Chinese with, with the Turks. What is the combustible mix here? Because at a certain point of time, who will make the judgment call? Will the Greeks make the judgment call that, this, that he's pushed so far? Will the Egyptians have to make a judgment call in the Mediterranean? Who then stops him? You know, did you hear that? So I, I have an interview that I did with one of Erdogan's closest friends on the radio. Uh, you should look it up. And um, I'll post it in the Tory Says chat room and on my subscribe star for those of you that hadn't heard that interview. I want you to pay attention to, you know, I can always interview someone that I know is wrong, that I know is standing on the wrong side always. 
always I can, because an interview is nothing more than an interrogation to find out what the motives are, right? But um, what we have here, what he's explaining is, is that the Greeks actually signed an agreement with the Chinese, with President Xi, to open up a port to allow the Chinese to come in. And now we know that the Chinese, just so you know, it's actually written for centuries and empires ago from the emperors, that the Greeks are considered the people of light, and so it would, like they said, because they know history. See, this is the problem that we're so unable to understand history. Just like the president said, these are thousands of years old, blah, 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 blah. The Turkish, the Ottoman empire should have been eradicated. Instead, they were held at bay by the EU to be used as weapons later. And here they are. So here is where you're seeing you're seeing the connections. What do the Chinese do? Do they go against the free people or do they side with the Ottomans? This is where you're going to see it come down. How are they signing agreements with both? How are they doing it? Who's going to make the call, he says. Let's listen to the analysis of these, you know, former diplomat. He's former UN, I guess, right? And then that other professor guy. I really like them because they bring history into it. Not a lot of people do. Because once you understand the backstory, then it makes sense. Oh, Rishabh, actually, no one might really be required to make a judgment call because something might really happen as an accident as it happened in 1914. You know, you can keep on planning for all types of exigencies and emergencies and say that, you know, you are not going to go beyond this threshold. But, uh, you know, any accident happening, you just can't control, and then it will have a cascading effect. So I think this is what the world really has to be uh, very uh, uh, careful about and very cautious about, because what Turkey is doing is it's pushing the envelope. It's pushing the envelope in all directions. You know, it has really, in my view, taken a leaf out of the Chinese book. What it has seen is that China is uh, expanding in every direction. And of course, fine, there are being, you know, some sort of pushbacks from some of the areas, you know, as far as India is concerned, there's been a pushback. But as far as Hong Kong is concerned, it will be able to have his way. There will be sort of, you know, some international opprobrium that will be attached to it. There will be some international uproar against it. But uh, nothing that it will not be able to take it in its, uh, take in its own stride. Now, um, let's remember something. I'm gonna, we did this over eight months ago when it came out, and I'm going to play it for you, this news briefing on how Greece gave the Libyan ambassador, which, by the way, was the one appointed by who? By, yes, by the UN, 72 hours to leave Greece. Hold on. Did I do that right? Hold on. Με λύπη μου, σας ανακοινώνω ότι κατά συνέπεια των ανωτέρων, σήμερα το πρωί, He says, with my, um, with a heavy heart, I tell you that this morning, the Libyan ambassador uh, that is in Athens has been asked to come to the Department of Foreign Ministry, where he was advised that he was deemed to be expelled from the nation. We gave him 72 hours notice so he can leave the country. And just saying, he's smirking while he's saying this, for those that are listening, he says, and just as I say this, 
Η απόφαση απέλασης είναι έκφραση δυσαρέσκειας της ελληνικής κυβέρνησης. Uh, this expulsion, this decision to expel him from our nation is the nation's detest toward the administration in Tripoli, not Libya as a whole. He made that clear. Ελήφθη αφού η λιβική πλευρά δεν ανταποκρίθηκε στους όρους τους οποίους είχαμε θέσει. And that's because that Libyan, uh, the GNA, basically, which is the UN-backed Libyan government, did not adhere to the rules that we had set for them. What were those rules? Don't sign agreements with Turkey. What were the rules? Don't sign agreements with Turkey. What did they do? They signed agreements with Turkey. And that's how it goes down. See, it's all coming into focus, you guys. This is where it's all coming into focus. The UN has been pushing for this. Why? Who is the UN? At the top of the list. Let's revisit this um this uh video and I'm gonna have it with um I'm gonna I'm gonna play the Shadowgate trailer again, uh, but I'm going to stop it on a screen where I can explain to you a little bit more on it, so you understand where this UN thing sits. Because when you see it, <laughs> it's so incredible that a small group of government contractors were hired by government officials to frame the Trump campaign, set him up for the Russia collusion investigation provided witnesses for the impeachment hearings and provided administrative support services to the Department of Justice during the Mueller investigation. And what if it just so happened that this same group of contractors are behind the fake news in mainstream media, influence operations on social media, and the civil unrest nationwide pushing the defund the police movement? The Obama gate. And just to be clear, this uh, chaos is global, not just. You're going to see it when I walk you through a graphic. Scandal only scratches the surface. You mentioned shock value that is shocking what the Russians did. I agree. We need to stop it. I know that now based on the horror. Russia, Russia, I'm not Russia, 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 Russia. I'm saying you signed something that was a lie and you didn't know it. Talk about a cover story. What really happened is much more alarming. Both parties are equally guilty of covering up what should turn out to be an even bigger scandal, Shadowgate. The tactical and operational role the shadow government played behind the scenes, carrying out the coup against President Trump. We're going to be looking behind the... Hold on, guys. So we're going to take a... I, I have freeze-framed on it. Can you see who's at the top of it? Right. That's all you need to know for now. This will be explained even more. But the UN is the government, and Interpol is now your police. Slowly growing, slowly, like that, 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 that thing in the Dune, in the movie Dune, that big thing with the pimples. What was it called, you guys? I still remember that. It felt like it was eating everything, right? It felt like it was eating everything with the little spots that were spewing out pus. <laughs> Jabba, and it wasn't Jabba the Hutt, was it? I don't even remember. But at the top of it, as you could see, there's a little bird with their name redacted. 
That's just focusing this chart for those that are seeing in front of them is just a timeline and a putting together of in the U.S. what's going on. Because all of this is happening across the globe. All of this is happening across the globe. There is documentation. Do you know where Interpol just moved their headquarters to? South Africa. (laughs) Interesting, right? Do you know that they have now started to put together uh, new operations and using AI and robots for police? Ah, yes. Interpol is pushing that with the funding of the U.N., See, this is all coming together slowly and hopefully at least from the U.S. perspective, many people will be able to understand it better with this analysis. I mean, what's better than to have the person that watched and heard everything help create these special psyops to the person that created the software so they can push it all through? You know, it's almost as if they wanted Bill Binney and the rest of them to say more because they used that as an excuse for more surveillance. But now that we're capped down on surveillance, how does this work? How do they maintain control? See, there's a huge conspiracy and you can see that they went for people that are key players. Uh, You know, they went for them. Because they were hoping to be able to get them to crack and align with them. Because you've been on our team for so long. Why would you not want to play with us anymore? Why would you decide that you're going to move on over to the other side? Why would you leave us is the question. Why would these people leave them? You must play with us. You've been playing with us for years. But see, the thing is, you can't make sure that someone's going to sell their soul to the devil that easy. Because lots of people have morals. And I've said this before about Roger Stone. He doesn't play by anybody's rules. He makes his own. And his rules are that that keep him okay to sleep at night, not theirs. Now, on that note, I want to wish you guys a wonderful evening. God bless from all of us here at Red State. I'll see you tomorrow. 